All right. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to open in a word of prayer because I desperately need God's blessing in this study because this is a new territory for me. So let's ask God's blessing of this study. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are, for your love for us, for your blessing as it's poured out in our lives. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Pray about this time because it is a time of responsibility that's placed on my shoulders and our shoulders if your word is taught that we need to hear and to heed those things that are spoken. I do pray for our hearts this morning. Pray that you would use these words in our lives that Jesus Christ is the one that would be exalted and his name be lifted up and that your work would prosper. And I pray this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. What we're looking at is we've been talking about we're in the book of Colossians although we're not going to be in Colossians this morning but we're looking at the subject uh, among the things reading through the text come to the subject of inheritance and it raised the question of what is it specifically that we inherit as believers what are some of the things that are that we can look forward to and so I went through the concordance and picked out all the things that are listed there, there's about six of them that are things that we inherit. And we started out, uh, we inherit the earth. We talked about that, uh, this planet. We will get used to it. We're going to have the new heavens and new earth, but we're going to be on the earth. We inherit eternal life. Uh, that's not just the length of life, but that is life in the realm in which the Lord exists outside of this cocoon of space and time that we live in right now we are enclosed in this little cocoon of space and time in the universe but outside of that is this spiritual realm in which god dwells and that life is not the life like we're, we're used to life that has to be sustained with bread or with uh, food or whatever to keep our lives going but outside of that is spiritual life it's a life that god dwells in that's the life that he gives to us and that's part of what we will have that eternal uh god conscious blessed life that uh, is his promise to us then we inherit the kingdom and the kingdom of course uh is now existing christ is the head we are the subjects but it's going to be manifested in a more glorious way one day we also inherit salvation which remember salvation is not just deliverance from sin and i don't mean that to belittle that, but it's deliverance from a lot of things, and we talked about that, that he delivers us. We struggle with that sometimes because we become enslaved to things like television, for example. Uh, there are a lot worse things that people are enslaved to, too, like pornography and drugs and alcohol and stuff, but we can be enslaved to simple things and uh, that can still dominate us. Christ is the one that can break, break that enslavement. And then we saw last time that we inherit promises, and there are lots of promises made, but not every promise is made necessarily 
to us. So we need to be studying the scriptures and knowing what those promises are. But this morning, we're looking at the subject of inheriting a blessing. I, my, the text that led me on that trail was 1 Peter 3, 9, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but giving a blessing instead. But you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. To be honest, I've never really done a real detailed study of that. So this is new territory for me. The use of this term blessed or blessed or blessed, these terms are very common in the scriptures. Um, and technically speaking, if we try to put a definition, it, it, it does mean to bless, to express a type of gratitude, um, to seek God's blessing. It also means to kneel, um, which would include in the time sometimes worship. It would include the word, one of the phrases that's translated uh, is the word salute, means to address, to address with kindness, courtesy, respect. Um, and also it means to greet, usually uh, greet with the kind of wishes, with respect and honor, those kinds of things. Generally, the idea of someone blessing relates to the concept that you're asking in some way heaven's uh, favor or heaven's bounty to be applied or expressed on a person. It's a, it's a term that while it isn't necessarily first found in the church, it's a term that really has its real meaning scripturally, biblically, because it's God that we're asking to bless. And uh, when we're asking people to bless, we're asking people to bless in sort of an example of what God does in scripture. So it's a, it's a term, I guess with, you could say with biblical fingerprints all over it. Uh, it's a term that, that does relate and reflect to the fact that we know the Lord. And uh, the opposite, by the way, of, of blessing somebody is cursing somebody. And in the Bible, the prophets, uh, if they were going to pronounce a blessing, they would do that. They would pronounce a blessing and say what God was going to do and, the, and how things were going to work out favorably. But if, the, if there was disobedience and rebellion, then the prophets would express a curse. That's sort of what Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and the robe, the train of his robe filled the temple, and his first comment was, Where am I? Cursed am I. He took this one gift that the prophet has his mouth that expresses blessing or curse, and he turned that the, 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 the curse on himself. And he said, I am cursed, I am doomed because I've seen the Lord. And uh, he was in the presence of holy God. That verse, by the way, is a good verse to study because. The holiness of God is the single attribute that is repeated more than any other attribute. He's not love, love, love. Uh, he's not, he doesn't give peace, 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 but he is holy, 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 repeated twice in scripture. And so blessing being opposite of cursing is a good thing. And uh, the Old Testament blessings uh, frequently were handed out. We're going to look at that, handed out to family members frequently upon the death or deathbed of the father and uh, by way maybe of application of believers in the church 
um, in the church and the church family sometimes can seek blessing upon other members and other people that they care for and even have ceremonies in which we seek to bless. Blessing is sort of like a benediction in a way. They both of them are, are pronounced blessings and things, and so it's important. And so I just want to take a few few moments. There are two points. You see it on the bulletin there. Um, first, we want to look at the particular use of blessing. That is several places where they are used to just give us an idea. Most of this is you'll probably be uh, yawning at this because it's so common. But then the second part of that, uh, going from the particular use of blessings to the practical uh, use of blessings and how, so just not a whole lot, but just a, a couple of them that really make this word stand out to me in scripture. So first of all, some of the particular uses, um, it has to do, I told you that it has to do with Neil and um, it's translated in an interesting way in Second Chronicles where Solomon uh, made a type of pulpit or raised bronze platform gives the dimensions five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high. This is Second Chronicles 6.13 and he put it in the midst of the court and it says he stood on it and knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly. Now, you don't have to remember all of that, but the thing I just want to mention is that place where it says he knelt on his knees is the word blessed. But it means that he he knelt, that's what it's saying, that it carries that idea. And blessed, when you kneel in the term of blessing, it's usually with respect, even submission sometimes, it's in worship. But here it's not used that way, it's just used to say that he created this platform and he got down and he knelt down on this platform, which I think carries with it a sense of worship as he stood before them, that he knelt down there, that that is a, a do you understand what I'm saying? A type of submission, um, just without trying to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but this is a serious responsibility to stand up here before people and say, this is what God says. And the Bible says, I will give an account, a serious, more serious account of standing up here teaching than I will in doing other things, which are important as well. But this is extremely important. And so that's the word that's used. Uh, it's used in Deuteronomy uh, when he says, you will eat and be satisfied, you shall bless Yahweh, your God, for the good land which is given you. It's just a way of, of telling the people. In fact, we do that when we eat some, go out to eat. We say, would you say the blessing? Okay, well, actually, when we say it that way, we're talking about kind of like a ritual. There's a ritual here, and if you can make this and save this blessing, then we can eat. But actually, if you really are doing it, you want to have your heart in there. You're not just saying something, but you're expressing your desire, your gratitude to God for what you're going to eat and the relationship that exists between you and the Lord that He undertakes to provide for you. Uh, and so that's good. And, and throughout Scripture, we see that there are men, I'm not going to read them all. Deuteronomy 14 talks about you should be blessed above all people. That means that God's favor will shine on you. Do you know that in Jesus Christ, God's favor shines on you if you really know the Lord? Isn't that good? That that almighty God, the sovereign of the universe, 
the one who has every molecule and atom in the universe under control. And as R.C. Sproul said, there's not one rogue molecule. This one, you stand in favor of him if you have come to him, if you've embraced Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Another particular use of that uh, talks about uh, people blessing God. There may be, they may bless Yahweh. They may do these things and bless Yahweh or praise their God, to exalt their God. Um, in Psalm 96, it says, Sing to Yahweh, bless his name, um, proclaim good news. We have the privilege of singing to him. We have the and, and we should sing to him. We should sing joyfully because of all the things that, that, that we can do and all the people that can do it, we should be the ones that most aggressively and joyfully express our hearts to our God because he is so good. He is so so good to us and i'm i'm constantly and i don't mean that exactly trying to exaggerate but i'm always thinking of things that he's done that he's doing that express his goodness to us and and uh i'm just really very and you see that comes in the face of the fact that i don't deserve those good things see if i deserve them if there was a measure in which I, I was a preacher and was doing some good things and really that I should be patted on the back would be one thing, but everything that happens, even the good things that I try to do come with self-centered motives. And many times they, they are, I'm aware of it. I think about that and you, you know, like him, you give some money, but you have your name put in the bulletin because I gave some money and you wanted to receive recognition. As Steve Brown said, that smells of smoke. That's not very, that's not a good thing to do, that, that we carry with us this weight, the shackle of self-centeredness and wanting ourselves to be glorified and exalted. And so uh, we, we, we just carry that and I, I don't, I struggle with that. I know you probably struggle with some of those things as well, but there are many other places, there are passages that talk about blessing things, uh, passages um, talked about blessing God, blessing men, Yahweh remembered us, he will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Um, God blesses uh, things like that. In Genesis 27, 4, um, Isaac, in his old age, wanted his son Esau to go out into the field and kill, I guess it was a deer. I don't remember, honestly. A kid kill an animal, fix it, fix a meal that a savory meal that he really liked, and come in. He was going to eat and have a feast, and then he was going to bless Esau before he died. And uh, that's just one of the. I'm going to come back to that verse, but that's just one of the things that talks about blessing while you have time, blessing uh, people for things that that are important, like passing on the blessings of the inheritance, which. I, which uh, Isaac was going to do. And he wanted to do it to Esau, but God's plan was the whole time to do it to his brother. So um, there's a measure of disobedience and there is some scheming that's going back and forth. But in the final analysis, God's will was done. God's will was done. You talked about it this morning. With all of our scheming and all of our planning and all of our manipulating God's will, it's going to be done. You can put it down and mark it. And it's true. And by the way, and I'm glad it's true. And I'm glad it's true even when I ask for things that I really want. And I do ask for things that I really want. And I even ask for them 
kind of in the back of my mind saying, you know what, I really shouldn't be asking for this. This is really not the best thing to have. I, I can't spend it like this or can't go here or can't, shouldn't have that relationship or shouldn't be doing these things. You see what I'm saying? And yet I ask. But I'm so thankful. God is so good because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit takes our prayer requests and presents them before the throne according to the will of God. He reinterprets them according to the will of God. That's a good thing because that's a good thing. If, if, if I got everything I wanted, this is kind of a sidetrack, but if I got everything I wanted, right, if everything I prayed for came my way, you would be in a mess. And so would I. You know, because what do you want is not things that glorify the Savior, the things that cater to the flesh, the things that add you, add your comfort or whatever. That's that's bad. That's wrong. That's sin. So the Lord is so good to us to do these things and bless us. And so I've seen that there are many other passages that talk about uh, men blessing men. Um, and I said men that are blessed on their deathbed. In the New Testament, those are all Old Testament passages, by the way. Um, in the New Testament, it's used to speak well uh, of Christ. For example, one of the verses, that, one of my favorite passages in Revelation chapter 7. Uh, in Revelation chapter 7, this is when the Lord is uh, taking, breaking the seal and stuff. And it says that after this took place, uh, Revelation seven eleven. just listen to the reading of the word. And all the angels... We're standing around the throne. By the way, just let me throw this in. This I can't help this. This is important. When you go to Revelation, you find that angels and creatures are standing. I think that's the way God has created this particular sphere. He's created and equipped angels and creatures and people with the equipment to be able to get the job done that they need to do. Angels, some angels have wings to protect them from the holiness of God. Some angels have wings all around, I mean eyes all around because they are to be aware of everything that's going on in front and side and back and stuff like that. Not to be gory, but one of the things he's done is he created angels seeming in people with legs so that we can stand, so that we'll be in, a, in a, an environment where we and angels, in other words, what I'm saying is I don't think we're going to be out floating around in some kind of mystical sense. We're going to be on a platform. There's a throne established. We'll be standing. And we'll be able to, to look around and to move. And so here is what he says here in this passage. The angel was standing around the throne. And the elders. And there's speculation about who those 12 elders are. And I'm not sure. So I'm not going to talk in my two cents worth. But the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces. This is a point of humiliation, isn't it? Which, by the way, is the best place for you and me before God. Seriously, it's on our face before him. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Say it. Amen. Here it is. The blessing. That's the goodness. The the, the, the uh, pouring out of God's goodness, the pouring out of favor, uh, the worship, the honor. It's, it's the blessing and the glory and the wisdom and the thanksgiving and the honor and the power and the strength be to our God forever and ever.
How many creatures exist that have the power of being in themselves? Only one. Everything in that picture there, everything is created and has a point of origin with the exception of God. He is the one that is worshipped. He is the one that is central. He is the only one that is to be worshipped there. And he is worshipped. And they praise and recognize and exalt him. That is a privilege. But it is also right. Because everything else is dependent. He is not. He is independent. He needs. He knows everything. He needs nothing. There's nothing you can supply that's going to help him with any ways. Nothing's going to give him any more wisdom. He doesn't have a second uh, file over here for plan B in case plan A doesn't work out. He doesn't have any of those things. He's not wanting your opinion or my opinion. In fact, in spite of the fact that I give him my opinion a lot of times, and he's very patient with me, uh, and I know that, and I know he knows that, that I'm very limited, and I... Uh, I run off the mouth a lot with him, especially when I'm by myself at home or in the car. When Elaine Moore took Elaine home and gave me opportunity to pray out loud without somebody saying, what did you say, honey? So <laughs> I can do that. And I talk to him a lot at home. And uh, he's very patient. And I know that. And I know he understands. And I know that he, he, like a little kid, puts his hand on my head and says, now, Peter, I know what you want. You can't have it. You know you can't have it. So you don't you know, give me a hard time about that. He's, he's good at doing that. He knows that. But he's gracious. And so here is the Lord. We're going to praise him and exalt him and honor him for the rest of eternity, which is exactly right. He's not on an ego trip. He's the only one. Nothing else exists except him, and he's created it. And so we have the privilege, and we're going to need eternity, but we have the privilege of seeking to learn about him and study about him and contemplate him. Think of the privilege of getting to know Almighty God, the only one. Who was in, and when you go to Revelation and you find in there over and over again, everything is from ever to ever, from generation to generation, from the beginning, the first, the last. Uh, he who was and is and is to come. He's the only one that's eternal like that. And we are privileged to know him and privileged to honor him. And the word blessing is a word that's connected with him and it connects us with him as we seek to bless and honor and relate, relate to him. And so it's used in the New Testament like that. Um, it's used in a, in a negative sense uh, in Romans 16, 18, where it says, Such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own stomach. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. The phrase flattering speech is really the phrase blessing. By their smooth and blessing, they deceive the hearts of uh, and I think, let's talk about these Pharisees that go to the house of these women and, and abuse them and try to take advantage of them. And I think what that is doing is, is taking the word that we would normally use for blessing and for worship and it's saying, but in the case of these women, they, this is deceptive language. They're not really blessing because they want to bless. They're blessing to take advantage. Do you see what I'm saying? To, take, to misuse. And uh, well, that happens. Uh, that does happen. It probably can even happen to us sometimes. We can take something, uh, even something religious, and use it to personal advantage rather than submitting to God's will and God's glory. Uh, we are, when the Bible, when Jeremiah 79 says, the heart of man is deceitful of all the old things, that's an accurate statement. Our heart is very deceitful. We can deceive not only other people, 
for ourselves. We really can. We really, and we not only can, but we do. I don't know if you've ever had the experience. You probably have a, a program that you want to see, but you know you shouldn't, or a magazine you want to read, but you know you shouldn't, or something you want to do that you know you shouldn't, and you say, well, but now I need to do this because I need to be able to explain to my son or this guy or the other, you know, and do the, no, we just want to sin. That's what we want to do. And we, it was Bob Jones used to say, give God uh, and not the, the Lord, give the Lord and not the devil the benefit of the doubt. That's what it was. And I think he's, that's a good point. So anyway, this word blessing appears in a number of places. It does it. We use it for communion. We use it for the cup of blessing, which we bless. That, that is the cup of, of uh, submission, of cup of, of, of honor and worship, which we bless, and uh, so on and so forth. I'm going to go now to the practical use of blessing because I don't want, I want to put more time in this. And I think this is really more important. It's used to express in the scriptures uh, gratitude and thanksgiving. Uh, and particularly, there are times when it's used to speak of, to Yahweh for who he is and what he's done. Um, Psalm 106, 48 says, Blessed be Yahweh. The God of Israel. This means worship, bow down, honor him. This is New Testament, even though uh, this is a psalm, it's using that, referring to this in the New Testament. Um, there are other, other psalms that I'm going to be reading in Genesis too. Um, but this is this is the practical use of blessing. We just looked at the New Testament. I'm getting that confused. We're out of that now. We're looking at the use of blessing, both in the Old and New Testament, how it's used, and it's used to bless and express gratitude. It's used in Psalm 104, uh, bless Yahweh. Listen to this. I like this. Bless Yahweh, O my soul. And you know the scripture says, all is in me, bless his holy name. It's, it's just really saying that this blessing, this praise, this worship reaches down into our innermost being and comes out. Does that happen to you? Is it your whole inner being, your whole soul. Boy, that's where it should come. It needs to be. That's what I think Jesus was talking to the woman when he said those that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. It's in the spiritual realm. It's not just not just doing candles and going up and putting those candles on the thing up there in front and lining them and then, and then having a, a display. It's really coming from the heart. Your heart is really expressing love and worship to the Lord. You have to know him before you can do that. That's why one of my favorite verses is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's not easy. You have to focus on him. You have to pursue him. You have to seek him and spend time with him to become delighted and to be delighted in him. Um, psalm 103. This is what I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes. Psalm 103 is a psalm that talks about this. And it's a Psalm of David. And David knew what it meant to praise, exalt, and glorify God and, and bless him. In Psalm 103, there's first five verses, then I'm going to skip all the way down to the last four verses, verses 20 to 22. But in Psalm, just listen to this, the magnificent words of David. Said, David writes, he says, Bless Yahweh, that is to bless, to adore, to praise, to submit, to yield, to kneel. Bless Yahweh. Oh, my soul, my heart, my emotions, everything within me. David says, bless Yahweh, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless is holy name. Don't forget that. 
That's who he is. That's that's serious stuff. Our God is holy. And uh, I have, and I'm sure you have to, toyed with his holiness and kind of taken it lightly. Don't do that. Because that's, that is the one attribute that is, that's what makes him most fearful. It's not his power that makes him fearful. It's his holiness. Because we're not, and he is, and we can't exist in his presence in our condition. The only way we can exist in his presence is if he does something to cleanse us, which he did at the cross in Christ, if we have come to him and we have submitted to him. And so he says, bless his holy name. Bless Yahweh again, O my soul, and forget or ignore his benefits, is what he's saying. Don't, don't ignore those. Don't take them for granted. Who pardons all your iniquities. Listen to that. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit, that is, from destruction. He redeems your life. He buys it back. How did he buy it back? With his own sacrifice. He redeems your life from the pit, from destruction. He crowns you uh, kind of like a wreath. He exalts your, you with loving kindness and compassion. Here is the God of the universe who displays loving kindness to us, even as sinners, and shows loving and compassion and patience with us. And we need that. Who, who satisfies your years that has the idea of stuffing your years, perhaps, with good things so that <laughs> your youth is renewed like the eagle. I read in one, this one, I don't remember whether it was, I don't remember now, it was one, one commentator who said that it is true that Christians who walk close to the Lord usually live uh, and don't age as fast as everybody else. I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh, I like that idea. I could, could join that group. I would do that. But anyway, that's what he said. That's what he's doing. talking about. Worshiping the Lord. He renews your youth uh, like the eagle. And he did say, the same commentator did say that eagles tend to live longer. But you know, they have these big parents. Sometimes they'll outlive their master. Sometimes they get to be pretty old. But eagles live longer than that. And they can fly and they can soar. They're pretty strong. They're very keen sight. And so he's just using that as an illustration of blessing God and honoring him and getting this, this response back from God. Then he says at the end of that chapter, verse 20, instead of now God being um, exalted and praised uh, by personal praises and things like that, this is, his, this is the praise for creation, from creation itself. He says, Yahweh, bless Yahweh, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obey, obeying the voice of his word. I like that. They, they perform, these angels are there that perform his word. That's one of the things that, that uh, kind of sets them apart from us is we have, we make decisions volitionally. Angels usually are assigned something. They don't have a choice. They just do it. But here is this, uh, passage that says these angels perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. And again, I don't want to take all, all this time, but that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Obeying the voice of his word. It's like, it's like the word inspiration. The word inspire means God's word is God breathed. It, it's not just the word, but it's the word that's coming forth 
uh, as God's word is being formulated in its vocal cords and the breath of God is drawing that word out so that it goes out audibly. It's an audible word. God breathed God's breath behind it. And this is God's word. It's not just the written word, but it is the voice of the written word, the, the execution of his written word. The angels bless, do that. The angels, the, the statement goes on to say, bless Yahweh, all you, his host, his army, you who serve him doing his will, Bless Yahweh, all you works of his in all places, his rule. Bless Yahweh, O my soul. So here's, here's this, this. Yahweh is used, or blessing is used to praise, worship, and, ex, and uh, extol the God of the universe. And when we do that, we are aligning ourselves up with his purposes and his plan. We're putting ourselves uh, voluntarily, joyfully on his side. Uh, if we want to be a disciple, there's a cost to being a disciple, and we're not just giving a choosing what we do, denying ourselves, taking our cross, and following, but we praise with our lips. The, the, the praise of our lips become should be honoring to Him. And one of the things that I think is good is to study Psalms and Proverbs because those that provides us a wealth of information with which we can pray to the Lord about. By the way. Just in passing, it has nothing to do with this, but uh, I was talking to the other dentist, and thank you for coming to the prayer meeting, and he said, I have a suggestion. I said, what's that? I said, why don't you start the prayer meeting with the reading of a verse of scripture? And he said, you got 31 days a month, so each, each night when you have a prayer, whatever day of the week it is, what, like the 10th, whatever, read Proverbs 10 before you can go to prayer. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. I, I like that idea. It would be good to do that. You have to set the tone. And give us a verse of scripture. The more we get of the scripture, God's word, the better we are. And then um, one more section here, and then we're done. And that is uh, not only is it used to express gratitude and thanksgiving, uh, but it is used to evoke or yeah, evoke divine blessing. Uh, God gave a, a blessing to, to Adam and Eve, male and female. He he blessed them. He blessed Noah. He blessed Abraham. Uh, he blessed all of these, many others in the scripture. I'm skipping over all these verses because it's interesting time. But I want to come down um, to Genesis um, 27, 34. To, uh, what I want to do is I want to say a couple of things about the patriarchal blessing or patriarchal benediction that was practiced in the Old Testament. Um, you are familiar with Genesis 49, where um, Jacob had summoned his uh, sons together and, and told them to assemble uh, that I may tell you what will befall on you in the days to come. In other words, Jacob was on his deathbed, and uh, he's, he is knowing that he doesn't have uh, a lot of time left, and so he's he was told his son Joseph that he's dying, he's sick. So Joseph comes and he brings his sons and he comes and stands before him. And uh, Jacob says, I want to take these moments to tell you what's going to befall in your days to come. He says, gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. I'm reading Genesis 49. And then he goes through, he lists each one of them individually, Reuben, your firstborn, might be the beginning of my strength, preeminence, dignity, preeminence, and power. And he goes on describing it, and I'm not going to take the time to, you can do that. Genesis 49, he goes, 
Reuben, he goes to Simeon, Levi, Judah, uh, and he talks about them all, and he goes through the whole list. And uh, it's just a, an interesting thing that he's pointing out on his deathbed. Here's the father with his 12 sons. And then he also does the same with the two sons of Joseph. Um, but he's pointing out things that he is aware and knows about them that's going to mark their lives in the future generations. There is a measure, I think, of prophecy in that. But there's also a lot of the fact that he knew his sons. And he watched them. He invested a lot of time in them, and he was careful to do that. And, and uh, I don't know if he consciously said, "I need to provide this benediction as much throughout his life as he did just assimilating information." But he did, knowing that he's coming to the end, knowing that they are going to be preserved as a nation, knowing he wants to be buried in back in Canaan, not in Egypt, and knowing that God is building a nation, and knowing these things, he began to to lay out, if you will, a benediction of his life on them and just talk about it as a form of blessing. And uh, imagine, I don't know how old you, how well you know your kids, um, but you should know them and you should know, know their traits and, and the traits and the things about them. And maybe just impress the things that they do well and kind of and I know you do that. I'm not scolding you in that sense. I know that all of you care very much for your kids and lay out a kind of a blessing on them. But that's that's really, really important to do that. That kind of blessing, that kind of benediction is important. Um, and in, I think it was, um, I, I don't remember now, I wrote that verse down, but in the uh, the end of this the series, talking about these, Jacob talking about these blessings, um, he said that, that I want to give you these blessings uh, so that you'll know what's going to come and what's going to befall you and kind of set your course, whatever, in your life, in your direction like that. He talks about that. So I think it's interesting. I really do think it's very interesting when you start thinking about pouring out blessings on people. Think about your kids. Think about your family. Think about your, your people that you really love and really care for. I have two sisters I pray for <coughs> all the time. And I have, of course, Pete and Dory and, and kid, grandkids, I pray for them all the time. And that's some others. But it's important to do that. And then one other thing, not only the, the uh, uh, benediction, if you will, patriarchal benediction or patriarchal blessing, but there is a benediction that the Lord has given. There's, the benediction are the words that are given usually at the kind of the end of the sermon. It's not magical. It's, you don't think of it as magic, but it is if we're like we are here, assembled together in the Lord's word and seeking to worship and praise him. There is an atmosphere. And so when we reach the end of that, the benediction is a way of having the people stand and say, let me just pass this on to you. The erotic benediction, which Yahweh, this is Numbers 6, 22 through 27, Yahweh spoke to Moses. And this is a blessing. Now, that's what it is. It's called a benediction, but it is a blessing. He says, speak to Aaron and to his sons, that is, his, his, his kids, and say, saying, <clears throat> thus, guys, you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, and just bear in mind, we know that generally speaking, when there's not just magic in the words, but this is, this is a statement and a communication of truth that is being given by instruction from God to the people, 
And I think it's God's intention that if you do that and you follow that, it'll be a blessing to you. He says, say this, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his face on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel and I then will bless them. Those three things there, all of them there, it's actually a repetition of, of the same, almost the same things. They do the same things. Yahweh bless you, make his face to shine on you, lift up his face on you. Those, those are ways of blessing, uh, to keep you, to have his face shine on you, to be gracious to you, to give you peace. Those are things he promises to bless the people. If you will say that, and you have that fellowship and that time of worship, that's kind of do you understand what I'm saying? It's kind of a benediction for that. We don't do that, but I'm we might we might discuss that in the meeting and thinking about doing that and think about ways that we can do that um, together. That that's I think it's important to do that. I'm gonna do that this morning. We're gonna ask us to stand. I'm gonna to pronounce a benediction on you. Uh, and it's you know you're not gonna feel tingling or anything. It's not intended to do. It really isn't a prayer. Really, truly, it isn't. Uh, in fact, many times when the benediction is pronounced, the the preacher or the one who gives the benediction will tell the congregation, receive the benediction. Receive it. And so we'll do that. Uh, and I, I think I've covered as much as I'm going to be able to cover. So why don't we stand and let me just for now, I'm going to go, I'm going to read the, the uh, Jude, benediction of Jude. I don't have it memorized, so I'm going to read it. And uh, you can bow your heads or not. But I'm going to pronounce the benediction uh, as they did here in this in this passage. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, might, and authority before all time, and now, and forevermore. Amen.